A kindergarten class was asked to define love. It was Carl who said, love is when a boy puts on cologne and a girl puts on perfume and they go out and smell each other. <laughs> it was Noel who said, love is when you tell a boy that you like his shirt and then he ends up wearing it every day. It was Chris who said, love is when mommy sees daddy all sweaty and smelly and she still says that he's more handsomer than Brad Pitt. <laughs> it was Chrissy who said, love is when two people go out to eat and you give them some of your french fries without making them give any of you any of their french fries. Now that's love. Jessica was pretty insightful when she said, don't say I love you unless you mean it. And if you do mean it, say it a lot because people forget. So before I go any further, church, can I just say to you, I love you. I thank God for you. Later this week, we're going to celebrate Valentine's Day. A lot of people are going to give candy and cards and flowers and gifts. But I thought that it might be a good idea for us to peek into the pages of the Bible this morning and just to see what God has to say about this powerful word called love. So today we're going to take a one-week suspension from our study in the book of Ephesians. And this morning, I invite you to give your attention to 1 John chapter 4. Once you found your place in Scripture, please stand out of reverence to the public reading of God's holy word. 1 John chapter 4, I'll begin reading verse 7 and conclude at verse 12. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. You may be seated. The author of our scripture is the man named John. John not only authored these three letters, he also penned the uh, gospel that bears his name and the book of Revelation. Apparently, John is writing to a community of believers and they had so convoluted this powerful word called love that they had lost its meaning. So John gives them a love lesson. He takes them to class, Love 101, and he tells them what love truly is and what love really looks like. Many years have passed, but not a whole lot's changed. We live in a culture that has so convoluted the word love that it's used to describe our affinity towards anyone or anything. 
We use the word love to describe uh, how much we love sports or shopping, football or food, candy or chocolate, grandchildren or goldfish. We use that same word love to describe a varying degrees of affinity that we may have towards any person or anything. So John begins his passage and he says, dear friends, let us love one another for Love comes from God. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. You probably realize that the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language, and sometimes when we translate from Greek to English, we lose something in the translation. I think that's what's taking place in this opening statement of verse 7 of 1 John chapter 4. There's a little word that's been omitted. It's just simply been left out of our English translation. You may think to yourself when you hear the word, well, it's not that big of a word. It's a rather small word. You may even think it's a rather insignificant word. It does make the reading of the sentence a little bit awkward. But yet this is exactly how John writes it. Dear friends, let us love one another. For the love comes from God. Did you hear the word that I inserted? It's that definitive article, the. When John writes, he's talking about the love of God. The love, which is unconditional, unmerited, unending. It is divine favor. Elsewhere, it's used to describe agape love. It is God's kind of the love comes from God. Brothers and sisters, let us love one another for the love comes from God. You may think to yourself, well, What difference does that make? I mean, everybody knows that. But if the word love is just any kind of love, any kind of affinity, any kind of romance, any kind of worldly love, heavenly love, secular love, sacred love, if it's just any kind of love that anybody can have for anything else or anyone else, then that understanding becomes very problematic in this passage. Because John is not talking about just any kind of love. He's talking about the love of God. If it's not problematic yet, it will be in the second sentence of verse 7. From the second sentence of verse 7, it says, Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. If love can be defined and described any way you want it to be described then we can make God say something that he never intended to say. If we rip the second sentence out of its context of 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, if we simply rip it out, then we can say, you know what? Anybody who loves in any generic way, any way they want to define it, if anybody loves, then clearly they are Christians because they are born of God and know God. I can see where this will be very confusing. For even people in the church, maybe, maybe Joe, who's sitting in church, he's on the left side, the 10th row, fourth seat in. Joe sits there and he thinks to himself, hey, wait a minute, I love my wife and I love my dog and I love my truck. So far, I got a great country song going, don't I? I love my, I love my wife and I love my dog and I love my truck. And because I love, clearly I'm a Christian because the Bible says everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. But clearly, that's not what John is saying. John is not talking about just any generic kind of love where you can define it and describe it in your own terms. He's speaking specifically about the love of God. And everyone who has the love of God, that's evidence that they have been born of God and they know God. 
It is only that kind of love that can cause us to be reborn. Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless God's love has been showered upon you, unless you realize the infinite, eternal, unmerited, uh, divine love and favor of God, unless you know that love, then you cannot be born of God. But when you know that love, then you are born of God and you know God. The word know is a very personal term. It's a very intimate word. It's to know personally, to know intimately, to be on a first name basis. It is only the love of God that prompts us and enables us to be born of God and to know God. So John is talking about a specific type of love, the love of God. Dear friends, let us love one another for the love comes from God. It is that love that enables us to be born again. It is that love that enables us to know God on a personal basis. In verse 8, he simply says God is love. This, this love of God, this God of the love, this is the, the center of the universe. This is the driving force of the universe. Not just any kind of love, however you want to define it. I mean, we live in a culture that says we just got to get along. We just need to love each other. For that is the, the highest uh, moral virtue in our culture. No, the highest moral virtue is the love of God and the God of that love. That's the centerpiece of all of civilization. And John simply says, this God is love. One day it was Charles Haddon Spurgeon who was walking with a friend on an English hillside. They uh, came across a barn and on top of that barn was a weather vane. The weather vane just simply read, God is love. C.H. Spurgeon said, that's the most inappropriate place to put such a message. Because weather vanes are constantly changing, but God's love is constant. His friend looked at him and said, but Mr. Spurgeon, I think you've misunderstood the meaning of that message. Because when I look up there and I see that, what it says to me is that regardless of how the wind blows, God is love. Isn't that the truth? Regardless of how the wind blows in your life, regardless of what comes, regardless of, of, the, of the storms that arise over the horizon, regardless, God is love. It is this uh, love that, that uh, gives us a center, that gives us a driving force, that gives us meaning and purpose in life. It is God who causes to be the spring from which this love emerges. God is love. Then you get to verse 9. And in verse 9, uh, John says, this is how God loved us. He sent his one only son into the world so that you might live through him. This is love. Not that we first loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. John says, now that we understand what love I'm talking about, the love of God, the love of God is demonstrated. God has shown this type of love. And how did he do it? He sent his one and only son into the world so that you may live through him. About 10 years ago, there was a new drink that came on the market. It was called Nexite. In the first year, it sold some 24 million bottles. I don't know if that's a lot, but it sounds like a lot to me. 
And so there was a, a, a coffee shop owner who came across this uh, at a trade show. She bought as many bottles as a U-Haul truck could carry. It was, it was kind of promoted as a love potion. And so that's how she promoted it in her store. And so people came from near and far. They lined up down the street. They wanted this liquid love they could find in a bottle. You and I both know that love is not a potion, but love is a person. This is what John says. This love, the love of God, is not hocus pocus. It's not some potion. It's not an abracadabra kind of thing. But this love is a person. And this is how God demonstrated this kind of love for you and for me. He sent his one and only son into the world so that you may live through him. What John does is he puts together two of the most glorious statements that he had ever penned in any of his correspondence. These are uh, a combination of two sentences that are found in his gospel. For in John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's the most popular verse of all the Bible. And John says, this is how God loved us. He sent his one and only Son into the world. And then John is also keeping in the back of his mind those famous words that Jesus spoke that are recorded in John chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. So how did God demonstrate his love for us? He demonstrated it in this. He sent his one and only son into the world so that you may live through him. This is love, John says in verse 10. This is love, not that we love God, but that God first loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. That word that's translated atoning sacrifice literally is the, is the word propitiation. That's a big church word. It's a word that most of us don't understand, don't know the meaning of it. But it is such a powerful word. The idea of propitiation is that Jesus came as our shield and that he turned away the wrath of God that should be poured out against us and it was poured out against him. That he satisfied the holy hostility of God. That God righteously has indignation against your sin and mine. And, and you and I, we deserve an eternity's worth of condemnation in hell. But Jesus is our propitiation. He came and he turned away the wrath of God. He satisfied the holy hostility of the Lord. And Jesus drank every last drop of condemnation that should be meted out against you and against me for all time of eternity. And Jesus took our place he is our uh, uh, substitutionary atonement in fact you and I cannot understand the gospel apart from this idea of propitiation we cannot understand and fathom the gospel apart from this idea of substitutionary atonement and Jesus is the perfect substitute because Jesus is the God man he's fully man so he can be a substitute for you and for me Yet he's also completely God. 
And only God can provide atonement. Only God can provide the covering. Only God can pay the sin debt that he did not owe because you and I have a sin debt that we cannot pay. It is only Jesus, the 100% God-man, who came as a propitiation of our sin. We cannot understand the gospel apart from this understanding that Jesus took our place and he paid it all. This is what John says. This is the love of God. There's nothing inside of us that should merit this type of love. There's nothing inside of us that should cause God to owe us this depth of affection. There's nothing inside of us. It's all because of God. This is the love of God that he has demonstrated for the watching world to see. When I think about the love of God that Jesus demonstrated, I... I'm amazed. This love is demonstrated in both the simple and the spectacular. Jesus demonstrated this type of love in the simple and the fact that he took time to stop and talk to children. It's a simple task, isn't it? Yet routinely, Jesus would stop and talk to the children. Jesus took time out of his day to stop in the spectacular and he healed the sick. He opened the eyes of the blind and he raised the dead. It's one thing to say you're going to show love in speaking to the children. It's another thing to say you're going to show love by telling that dead guy, get up. I mean, this is remarkable. It's simple yet spectacular. And Jesus showed the love of God, the love of God, in the simple things for he hung out with a ragtag bunch of redneck fishermen. And Jesus showed his love in the spectacular because he hung out on the cross so that raunchy rebels could be declared righteous in the sight of God. It's one thing just to hang out with fishermen. It's another thing to hang on the cross so that dirty, dingy sinners like you and like me could be declared righteous in the sight of God. Only God can do something like that. I'm amazed at the simplicity of God's love for Jesus demonstrated that on the night he was betrayed and he washed the disciples' feet. All 12 of those disciples, he washed their feet. I'm assuming they both had, or all of them had two feet. I'm assuming they had 10 toes. I mean, he washed their dirty, smelly feet, all of them, including Judas Iscariot. And yet still, that, that's a simple task. Because then... Jesus in the spectacular, he died on the cross, was placed in a borrowed tomb. On the third day, he was raised from the dead so that he could wash not just our dirty feet, but our dirty souls and our sins could be washed away. When I stop and consider the love of God, which has been demonstrated perfectly in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And I wonder, how could he love me, a sinner condemned, unclean? But oh, how marvelous, and oh, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. I don't know about you, but I'm amazed at the love of God, which he He's demonstrated perfectly in the person of the Lord Jesus.
This is what John is talking about. This is the love of God. He says, therefore, since God has loved us, let us love one another. Since you know the love of God, since you know this love, the love of God, which is eternal and unending and unmerited, the love of God, since this love of God has been demonstrated in your life, then you and I are compelled to love one another. We love each other not because we're likable. Because there are some days we're not very likable. We love each other not just because it's the right thing to do. No. We love each other because God has loved us. And what God has given us, we give to others. What God has shown us, we show to others. What God has demonstrated to us, we demonstrate to others. So if you're a recipient of God's love and mercy and grace and kindness and forgiveness, then you've got to give those things to other people. Let us love others. Why? Because God has first loved us. So that tells me that where there is an argument, a sibling squabble, a broken relationship, a Christian divorce, a church split. You know what that says to the lost watching world? It says love doesn't work. And this morning I came to tell you that love does work. It does. The love of God works. The love of God has been demonstrated. The love of God has changed a sinner like me. The love of God works. So I don't know about you, but I'm glad today that Jesus loves me. And I'm glad today that Jesus loves you. And I'm glad today that though we were sinners, Christ died for us. And I'm glad today that he who knew no sin became sin for us. And I'm glad today that though we were lost, we've been found. And I'm glad today that though we were blind, we now see. And I'm glad today that though we were dead, we're made alive in Christ. And I'm glad today that though I was an enemy of God, I've been adopted into the family of God. I've been chosen as a child of God. I don't know about you, but it's a time to get happy in the house. I don't know about you, but I'm glad today for the love of God, which has been demonstrated perfectly in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, we gather around this table, and we come here, and we see the love of God on display. We come, and God's love is on display for us to see, and we leave here to display God's love to others. We come and we see God's love on display. We'll take two elements, the bread and a cup. The bread symbolic of a broken body. The cup symbolic of perfect shed blood to cover over all of your sins. This is a demonstration of God's amazing love. This is a demonstration of Calvary. This is what Jesus did for us. And so by faith, we feast on him in our heart and we take the bread and we take the cup, symbolic of the broken body and shed blood of Christ. We come here this morning and we see God's love on display. Then what do you do with that? Then you leave here to display God's love to others. 
Because what you've received, you want to give unto others. So you display this kind of love. And you sit there and think to yourself, but I can't. I can't display agape kind of love. There's no way I can do that. Well, according to John, the love that's inside of you will come out and give evidence that God is in us. So John seems to think, that maybe we can do a better job at this than we think we can do at this. He's given these guys a lesson in love, and he's saying this love of God, this unconditional, sacrificial, amazing love that God has given and displayed to you, you are compelled to display it to others. And where do you start? Let's start in the home with our husband or our wife or our children or our grandchildren. And then let's display this love in the faith family with brothers and sisters in Christ. And then let it go outside these walls and let's display this love to every gas station and grocery store, every workplace, every schoolhouse, every country in which we go. And why do we do this? Because God first loved us. This is the love. I'm not talking about just a worldly love. I'm not talking about just a romantic love. I'm not talking about just a willy-nilly kind of love. I'm not talking about just a worldly, secular type of love. I'm talking about the love of God. Because you've received the love of God, you have the capacity to demonstrate the love of God to others. So this morning, if you're a baptized believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I invite you to come to the table. And when you come, you're going to see God's love on display. You take it. By faith. You feast on it by faith. Allow it to nourish your soul. And then in response to you coming to the table and taking that, then you leave and you display God's love to others. Sacrificial, unconditional, unmerited. What you've received, you give to others. So in the next few moments, we're going to take this bread and take this cup and let me encourage you to use this time just to worship the Lord don't think about what you got to do this afternoon don't think about where you're going to go for lunch don't think about all the requirements that you have this upcoming week just for a few moments will you please just pause and just worship the Lord and if you're taking this, it's because you're a baptized believer in Christ. So you just stop and just thank him. Thank him for the love of God that he has given and shown in your life. And then say, Lord Jesus, help me to show this love to others. Let it be a Holy Ghost moment. Let, let just the popcorn praise just erupt all over the place. As people are just... Worshiping the Lord and allowing the Spirit of God to reveal things to us. Use these next few moments not to set your agenda, but to receive His agenda. Heavenly Father, thank You for showing us what love looks like. And Lord, we pray that uh, everything we do and everything we say in, this ne in these next few moments will be honoring and glorifying unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.